don't funk with racism. We don't funk with people who don't support the LGBTQ plus community. And baby, we damn sure don't funk with anybody who don't love a beautiful black queen, baby. You see this tape? You don't let nobody act black and then go home and be white? It only takes a little bit of white brainwash to activate the cool chip in the average Negro. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. What's up, everybody? It's me. It's your girl, Morgan A. Gray. And the A stands for an amazing African-American ass whooper. Okay. And I want to welcome you guys back to the Afrocentric podcast. I'm so happy to be back in here with you guys. I, I, I heard you guys was looking for me. <laughs> so here I go. You know, I'm back. And I'm just happy to be here today. I'm freestyling. I'm in a booth by myself. And I got something that I really wanted to get off my chest and talk to you guys about. So I hope you guys are ready to come and freestyle with me. class. Let me say that again. Black children are an oppressed class. Moreover, black children are the most oppressed, the most exploited, and the most over-sexualized class of minority people in America today. The total disenfranchisement of black children is a result of their age and their race but it prevents them from addressing the systematic racism that they confront every day. Black children are more susceptible to being led down to the prison, school to prison pipeline, and they're more susceptible to being led down the school to prison pipeline compared to their white counterparts. So I think that it's time that we have a conversation about the importance of protecting, advocating, educating, and empathizing with black children. In this episode, it is my goal to discuss the exploitation of Black children, the over-sexualization of Black children, and the importance of Black children, and the roles that they played in the shaping and creating of the foundation of our country. I want you guys to remember that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. We wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places. So I hope that you are prepared to battle for the souls of black children, because I know I am. The way this tweet is spitting facts. It says, it's always, we need to heal our inner child and never children are an oppressed class and their liberation is important. Like if our society actually invested in and protected children, then we wouldn't all have to be healing as adults. So like I said in my summary, children are an oppressed class, and I really feel like it's time that we really take the time to discuss 
how children really are being taken advantage of and it's really black children and it's right up under our noses and it seems like no one no one wants to take the time to address the disparities of children or even take the time to empathize with young children or talk to them or teach them about simple things like emotional intelligence so i want to talk to y'all just because people who are my age I would say from your 20s all the way up to your late 30s, we are the people that we wanted to protect us when we were children. I feel like as children, as black children, we saw so many disparities and our generation is going to step up to the plate and help and advocate for these young children. So I really wanted to talk to you guys about my background with child advocacy as well as the impact that it's had in my life before I really get into my conversation of arguing about the fact that children are in oppressed class. Okay, so I worked for the Boys and Girls Club for about three years, and it was probably the best job that I ever had in my life, just because those children taught me more than I taught them. I love children because children have the ability to think and to dream and to be able to hyper-focus, and they are so creative and funny and full of energy. And when you're around young energy like that, it rubs off on you. So as I gave to the children, those children gave back to me. And I always wanted to implement blackness into those children, whether or not they were getting that at home as well as to re-educate them, especially on the history that I knew that they were oftentimes missing out on in the school system. Because we all know and we all can recognize that the American school systems are failing our children, specifically our black children especially since the pandemic. So that was one of my main goals with my kids, making sure that, or my class, making sure that they were the most educated, making sure that they were the most equipped, making sure that their vocabulary was up to par. So um, I do want to say that I was let go of my position back in March and it really broke my heart. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to create this podcast Um, essentially I was having a conversation with a visitor of the boys and girls club and she was telling me that my class was so well behaved and she really liked how my class really listened to me and they really liked and appreciated me. And I told her, thank you. She asked me if I wanted to have children and I told her no. And she seemed very shocked by that. And I feel like our generation understands that it's a little bit more important to have your mental stability as well as your finances in order to have before you have children, or at least that's the goal, especially when you're living in a capitalistic society. So I was attempting to explain this to her. And then I went on to say that I really like the fact that I worked with black children because I felt like black children did not have proper representation and people were not patient with black children. And we were talking about it. I had a very great feeling after I got done with this conversation, but 
Ironically, that conversation was the thing that led to my termination at the Boys and Girls Club. And it was based on the fact that I said that I preferred to work with black children, but I did not want to have children. Um, I will say, regardless of the fact that you believe that what I said was appropriate or not in the work setting, I will say that I do take responsibilities for those statements, but they are my own personal beliefs. And I don't feel like there was anything wrong with what I said, although I do not personally feel like right now it's time for me to have children. I feel like that's my choice to be able to say because this is my body. But I don't feel like it's wrong to say that I prefer to work with black children because it is so rare to hear that. Oftentimes when you go into the school systems and into different places, people run away from black children because they do not understand black children. And I would personally take the time to talk, to listen, to empathize, as well as to apologize to a man to make space, to make comfort for my children. I went out of the way to do that. So I want to take this energy and this passion that I have for black children and I want to spread it to you just because I want I know that so many of us are surrounded by black children. You guys are somebody's mother, somebody's father, somebody's uncle, somebody's aunt, somebody's god, mama, god, daddy, somebody's nephew, cousin. And I really need you guys to understand and to wake up. And to start to advocate for these children and to start to listen for these children. Because I can't lie, when I was a children, there was something that I desperately wanted. I really wanted to have someone to speak up for me because I often felt like I had no one to do it. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I have such a large voice because no one spoke up for me. So I had to learn to speak up for myself. So I speak up for those who are disenfranchised for those who do not have a voice and that's something that I want to urge you guys to start doing because who advocates for black children hmm Dr. Umar Dr. Umar advocates for black children in fact he advocates for disabled black children and in many ways Charleston White advocates for black children but y'all don't want to talk about that well, I guess we're going to talk about it anyway, because <laughs> I don't give a fuck. It's time for us to wake up and start speaking up for each other, speaking up for those who do not have a voice. And it's time for us to level the playing field and come together and unify. That's the only way that we will get what we want, which is equality. So that's my introduction. I hope you guys understand my theology behind children as well as understand my love for children specifically black children and i go i hope you guys enjoy this conversation let's go the reason we never have the raising children well conversation is because it requires people to be self-aware and take responsibility for their actions it requires not having children until you're mentally and financially ready to do so because failure to do so already sets your kid up for failure and mental turmoil but no People want to have kids because kids make them happy. And people want to have kids because they want to feel what unconditional love feels like. People want to have kids to prove they can break generational trauma. And some people may never be financially ready or emotionally ready, meaning they'll be excluded from bringing a living human being into the world. And that's not fair. 
Okay, so first I wanted to break down the fullness of the idea that children are an oppressed class. Um, Similar to a lot of oppressed classes, children do not experience the right to vote or the access to many resources. Um, Many children don't even have the right to be able to advocate for themselves, especially if they are on like medication. Um, Children also have increased exposure to violence and that makes them a minority group and um, it constrains them from equal opportunity. Another point that I wanted to make that black ch- is that black children are often stereotyped and they are stereotyped as being fast or hypersexual, as being bad or misbehaved, as being crazy or mentally ill or as spoiled. OK, and I want you guys to understand that these stereotypes are so dangerous But I also want to break down the fact that there is a historical background behind why we as black people oftentimes negatively stereotype our children. So it is recorded that oftentimes during enslavement, black mothers would be walked up to by enslavers and oftentimes these white men would be checking out their children so they would be looking for you know signs of health to see if those children were healthy enough to um, work do labor to breed etc so you can imagine how these black mothers felt so oftentimes when these black mothers were asked about their children they would also say something negative about them to try to persuade the mind of the enslaver or the old lady the mistress of the house to kind of create the illusion that because their children was bad they would not want them in the household it was attempt to keep the black family together so this idea of negatively stereotyping our black children is rooted in white supremacy and is rooted in racism although it is a survival tactic in this time that we recognize it and we stop doing it stop calling your kids bad just because they're active just because they like to talk just because they um like to explore y'all have to understand that black children are made up differently than other white children and they're not going to subscribe subscribe naturally to the way that white people expect their white children to be raised and if you want to be realistic about it we are the creators of the standards of the behaviors of white children during enslavement who do you believe raised these white children black women who nursed them who taught them who who bathed them we are the creators. That's where the idea of Southern charm and chivalry come from. It comes from the manners of black women that were implemented into white children. So it's time for us to break this mindset. So regardless of your thoughts surrounding children or whether or not you want to conceive black children, similarly to the 1960 housewives, white women, housewives, black Black working mothers in the 1960s or disabled people, these children are also oppressed classes, okay? They're so similar to them and similar to these minority groups. Black children have been treated as property rather than people with human rights, okay? Black children are viewed as property to their fathers, 
Historically, they were viewed as property to the colonizers. Historically, they were viewed as property to the state. And that is always depending on their social position. So when we look at social hierarchy, it's not just the white man is at the top and the black woman is at the bottom and the black man is here and the white woman is here. You have to also faction in the race of children, the gender of children, how these children are socially acceptable and how Eurocentric ideology and Eurocentric views influence the way that we treat our children and how we how we expect for them to act versus how they truly are. And we need to learn how to accept it and turn that mindset away from it. The next thing that I wanted to talk about today was the exploitation of black children. So let me go ahead and define exploitation for you dumbass motherfuckers in the back. Um, exploitation can be defined as the act of involving a child for economic or other reasons in criminal activities. Now, all of this information that I'm going to pull up for the people that will probably try to fact check me can be found in stopthetraffic.org. Okay. And um, I want you niggas to remember that Google is always free. So let me give you guys... Um, a few examples of exploitation, and then I'm going to attempt to relate some of them to like what's going on in the present day. So the first example that I wanted to talk about is sexual exploitation. And sexual, sexual exploitation is defined as when someone is deceived, coerced, or forced to take part in sexual activities. Okay, so oftentimes when I talk to a lot of Black men, like my age, I... um. I often learned that a lot of these black men have been um, exploited through sexual exploitation. And it's um, very sad to hear and to understand that they don't really realize how exploited that they have been. It, oftentimes when black men talk about their first experience having sex, they're often very, very young, sometimes around the age of 10, around the age of eight. I've heard like 9, 12, 14, those are their children. I also want to emphasize the fact that children, regardless of their gender, their frontal lobe is not developed. So they're incapable of being able to make sound decisions. So regardless of who you are, if you are over the age of 18, you should not be interfering with children, honestly, because I really don't see there is an honest, there is no reason for you to be trying to have sex with no child. I don't care how old they appear and um, how mature they appear. You guys really do. And I'm not going to blame you all, but society really does try to take advantage of the age of children and talk them into sex. And because black boys are often hypersexualized from a very young age, and there's something that I would get into more as we as we continue to talk. It is. It seems like within our community, you guys make it seem like at a very young age, that sex is so cool and is mandatory for young boys to have. And when they do it at a very young age, oftentimes um, they're persuaded by what their older cousins, by their uncles. I mean, shit. We seen this shit with fucking Birdman and Lil Wayne. What Boosie said, Boosie had took Boosie indulged in taking his son's virginity. He hooked him up with prostitutes. That boy was young. 10 12 and the charleston white be talking about it but y'all don't want to be listening to charleston white Birdman took Wayne virginia when he was like 12 by a prostitute and y'all do that 
and traumatize these young boys and y'all put them in situations that they don't know how to express their emotions properly. And that's something that I really hate, but that's something maybe on the extreme to you guys. But I do want to say that a lot of black children are being sexually exploited. There is a lot of like sexual abuse running rapid in our children, black children in their community. Um, also sexual slavery. A lot of black girls and black boys are coming up missing and it's because they are being taken and being sold. But um, we will get into that as I continue to describe different forms of exploitation. So the next form of exploitation that I wanted to talk about is labor exploitation. And this reforms and this refers to situations where people are coerced to work for little to no reparations, no money under the threat of punishment. Now. Here's an example that we can talk about right now. I know that something that's been going on in the news right now is that people have been talking about Shein, or as you niggas like to say, a Shein, period. Um, <laughs> um, they have been exploiting these people. And honestly, you can always make the argument that anyone who is a billionaire, and this goes for our black billionaires, Rihanna's, Beyonce's, Lizzo's, all these people, the Kardashians, Kanye's. How do you think that they're able to sell their products to you for such a cheap price and so quickly if they're not exploiting the labor of children as well as minority groups and vagrant groups but right now we're trying to focus on children these children are working in extreme conditions and this is overseas like in south america over in um the middle east as well as in china in harsh conditions in india too um and being paid literally um 22 cents per garment and being forced to create 500 garments a day and if they mess up or create any type of like ill stitch within the garment, they're docked two thirds of their pay. Just think about that. Or even just children being within the household, being forced to grow, like raise their children, being forced to clean, being forced to do all of these grown responsibilities. And it's not an agreement created between the children and the and the parents or understanding it is an expectation and you're forcing your children to do this and if they don't you are threatening them with harm or punishment that is labor exploitation and these children are oppressed stop doing that y'all need to learn y'all can't be and people do people do have children just to force them to to clean up behind them or to do all the things that they want don't want to do like they literally have children they help pay bills around the house it's labor exploitation and y'all need to stop it's rooted in slavery mindset y'all need to stop it the next type of exploitation that I did want to talk about was domestic servitude. A domestic worker or helper is a person who works within their employer's home performing a variety of tasks. This arrangement becomes exploitive when the restrictions on the domestic workers movement, they are forced to do long hours of work for very little pay and they offer suffer physical and sexual abuse. Just got done talking about that within labor exploitation. They go hand in hand. What you want me to do? Hmm? Y'all need to wake up. Y'all need to start saying something. That's why stuff keeps on happening. Y'all do not open up your mouths when y'all see something, say something. So 
the next type of child exploitation I wanted to talk about is forced marriage. And I know you guys are like, Morgan, that's a little extreme, but baby, we, we finna get into it. So forced marriage is when a person is put under pressure to marry someone and they may be threatened within physical or sexual violence and placed under emotional or psychological distress to achieve these aims. Situations where you might be forced into marriage is to gain access into a country or to gain access to benefits. Now, I know you probably like, okay, Morgan, forced marriage that is so extreme that is not happening. Ironically, the state of Tennessee is lowering the age of marriage for children, right? Y'all don't know about that? I ain't think so. Yeah, so there, the the state of Tennessee is stating that there should be no age limit on how how young you should be able to marry. Love is love, right? So I hope you guys are seeing these repeated pedophilic themes throughout this conversation because it needs to be brought to the light because, you know, although the Jeffrey Epsteins and the Ghislaine Maxwells of the world don't want our nigga babies, they do. They want to exploit them. They want to exploit their bodies. They do not care about them. And this is an example of it through forced marriage. These white people, Lord have mercy, forgive me. I hate to categorize them like that. These Republicans, they don't care. And why are they trying to marry these children off at such a young age? Because they are, they are able to reproduce. Y'all know about the great replacement theory. White people believe that they are disappearing at an extremely fast rate, and they are because number one, white people have never been the majority in the United in the world. Black people have always, people of color have always outnumbered black white people. So then they came to America, took land from everybody, and they figured that they were just going to take this land and it was going to be theirs and for the children of their children, children of their children for generations and generations to come. But they started to interbreed with all these different races. So the purity within their blood, because white people have a gene that is recessive and black genes are dominant. So there are no more white people. So what are white people going to do? That's right. They're going to force their children to get married at young ages so that they can be young and fertile as long as they can to create white children. And that's the truth. That's what they There's one way that they're going to do it. And it's sad. And it's happening right before your eyes. We are in the middle of history being made. And you guys are not going to say nothing. Protect your daughters. Protect your children. So another form of sexual exploitation that I did want to talk about is forced criminality. And I really want to talk about this because I feel like this affects a lot of young black boys in our community. So forced criminality is when someone is forced to carry out a criminal activity through coercion or deception. Forced criminality can take forms including drug trade, cannabis cultivation, drug distribution. Let's wake up. A lot of you niggas grew up in Jackson. Hell, I grew up in Starkville. I knew niggas that were selling drugs at school. I don't care how bad a child might see. I don't care how defiant a child might seem. No child should be number one in 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 possession or in access or even in the vicinity of drugs. Honestly, you should try to protect the innocence of children so much to the point where they don't even know about drugs. 
But yet you have these young children that are so hip to this hustle culture, which is, by the way, very toxic. And they are given these opportunities to make money because they are in such this disenfranchised, impoverished communities, they do not see no way out outside of, come on, sell drugs, um, rap, or make it to the league. So a lot of them are selling drugs. That is forced criminality. Begging. Pickpocketing. These niggas know how to steal. I just seen this girl on TikTok. She said it was her birthday. She was got she got up, took a shower, got up out of her house, couldn't find her car where she had parked it. You know why? Because these children had hot-wired her car via Bluetooth. They stuck a Bluetooth in the ignition, y'all, and stole her car. Why? How do these niggas know how to do that? I better know how to charge my phone at night. What? Okay. That is forced criminality because they're, they, they, somebody, some, and number one, there's a rise, there's a significant rise of trafficking of children into forced criminality. Someone is teaching them that. Someone is putting it in their heads. Okay. So y'all have to understand and y'all have to protect them, or at the very least, they're being exposed to this stuff on social media. And this, again, why you have to protect what these children are seeing, protect the innocence of children at all costs. They are being, someone is bringing it to them. They're they're into ATM theft, the selling of counterfeit goods. Okay, that is forced criminality, and we really need to keep an eye on it, really, because it's impacting us all. The final form of exploitation that I wanted to talk about that is impacting Black children today is organ harvesting. So, um, we are in the South. I will say that it is not very common in the South unless you live in Georgia or if you consider Texas the South, then yes. But organ harvesting is the trafficking of organs involves um, requiring removed parts of the body, commonly the kidneys or a lobe of the liver to sell often to illegal trade. Y'all don't think this stuff is real, but it's so real. Um, Completely off subject for the bitches that's getting the BBLs. So... I seen that this girl, they were talking about getting BBLs and y'all need to stop doing it. Y'all be messing y'all bodies up. Y'all got to learn how to love yourselves. But if you need to get plastic surgery in order to love yourself more than by all means. But personally, I just want to learn. how. I just want to love myself. <laughs> Nevertheless, this woman went out of the country to get a BBL. So she thought she hit a lick and she flew down to Columbia and she found a doctor that somebody recommended via social media. Hmm. Okay, so she gets down to Columbia and they put her under anesthesia. And when she comes up under the knife, she gets a tummy tuck and a BBL, a Brazilian butt lift. So as she returns home from Columbia, she starts to realize that she feels a little lightheaded. She feels weighed down. She's tired. She can't move the way that she used to before she got all them, um, you know, thick in the thighs, booted cheeks. She booted licious Instagram ready. Amen. So she goes to her local doctor and her doctor does an x-ray and her doctor realizes that one of her kidneys is missing. Hmm. Well, did it get up and walk off? Like, what happened? So, she turns out that the doctor in Columbia, when they put her under anesthesia, stole her kidney and did what? He organ harvested and sold it on the black market. Um, now you ain't got no kidney. 
I mean, but your body snatched, right? Y'all have to be careful of this stuff. She went back to go and try to find this doctor gone. The woman that was bragging about how this doctor got her body snatched gone. She can't find them, her, or her doggone kidney. So what you going to do? This stuff is real. You guys have to start paying attention. Y'all have to start speaking up. Y'all have to start using common sense, intuition. Y'all got to start really doing research, really reading. Y'all got to wake up. This is not no game. These folks trying to take advantage of us. Y'all have to start waking up and start protecting what is yours. So let me go ahead and wrap this up. Historically, black women were, black children were exploited as a symbol of status, as slaves or as inipotence. Black children were exploited in factories, on plantations, through slave labor and slave camps, or in state schools like concentration camps. Okay? But uh, y'all stay tuned, man. Uh, I'm finna interview a nigga from Angola, and we finna talk about Boosie Killer, Marlo Mike, 16 year old that got life without parole. Didn't know that nigga killed nine people. Fucking with Boosie, that little boy killed nine people, and he had mental health problems. But they denied his appeal. Supreme Court ruled that the United States cannot give a kid a juvenile. They cannot automatically give a kid juvenile life without parole, but they can give it to the motherfucker with, 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 with deep consideration. So, man, they gave that kid life without parole. He go die in prison. The little Boosie was giving him $2,800 for every kid. That nigga Boosie wrong in the motherfucker. Me getting that little nigga $2,800 for every kid. Yeah, Boosie wrong with a bitch. I see why yeah, I see why he got diabetes, cancer, all kind of shit. Tootie ugly. Uh, all kind of shit. He, he done curse the people. And now T.I. done tricked him. Now watch how watch how this light shine on Boosie. Y'all for to see how low down Boosie is. Now he shouldn't have never said nothing to me. Because I can reach off in Angola and get Mr. Marlowe Mike. I can get the people around him that can tell us about when Boosie was in Angola. All of that. I got somebody coming up, so y'all stay tuned. I'm on my way over there to go interview him now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go interview They talking like a motherfucker. Look at him. Yeah. They talking like a motherfucker. I'm going to get Boosie ass. The sexualization of black children is the next topic that we will be focusing on. And it kind of loops back to sexual exploitation that we hit on earlier in the earlier segment. But I want to specifically focus on the sexualization of both black girls as well as black boys. So historically, it is not unusual for black girls to be sexualized from a very young age. So let me read this quote to you guys. Quote, antebellum black children, like black women, were assumed to be ineligible for sexual purity. The sale of enslaved prepubescent girls calculated their sexuality or at the very least their anticipated fertility into their pricing. Sexual innocence was therefore something denied to young black girls. Okay. So because, again, the system that we live in is a capitalistic system that was built on the back of slave labor, slave labor, slave labor specifically chattel slavery, um, majority of the Americas made majority of their money off of breeding and creating black 
black slave children to create a profit. So oftentimes black children, black girls were not looked as innocent. They were not looked as humble, not humble, as delicate, or even as humans. They were looked at as baby making machines. And at a very young age, they were looked at baby as baby making machines. Okay. So you have to understand that the humanity of black women, especially during enslavement, and it can still be seen today, the humanity of the black girl is taken away as soon as she is born, really in conception. And I want to link it to the stereotype of black people, specifically black older women calling black women fast, that the stereotype, oh, these black women, are, these black girls so fast, y'all walk around with all these tight clothes on, da 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 I feel like that shit is so fucking ignorant. Why in the world would you criticize another black girl? At the very most, if you have a problem with another black girl's clothes and how it fits her body, the least you could do is pull a girl to the side and say that to her in a way that makes her feel confident. But no, you guys attempt to shame and berate and belittle the black girl. And then you do it so publicly and you embarrass her. And, and do you guys even think about like the effects that that has on young black girls and what, how that affects them socially? And then on top of that, you guys never negate to understand that because we have been bred for hundreds and hundreds of years, our bodies are made up completely different. That's why young black girls look older. We were bred for muscle so that we would be strong. So you got 400 years of doggone Paul Bunyan, doggone big slave niggas just breeding. With black women, our bodies gonna be made up differently, and yet y'all still force that stereotype on them, and y'all sexualize these young girls just for trying to be girls. What sense does it make? These white girls, these Indian girls, these Hispanic girls, they can walk around with whatever it is that they want to have on and their parents support them and they love them and they teach the boys and men around them not to look at their bodies instead of shaming the girls for what they put on their bodies. Personally, I believe as a woman, and I know this might be extreme, but I feel like a, a woman should be able to walk around butt ass naked and no one should be able to touch her because that is her body and it belongs to her. Yet y'all will sit up here and try to berate the black woman sexualize a black woman and then demonize her just for existing and then place all the blame on her that's completely unfair i digress the next thing that i wanted to talk about is the sexualization of black boys so in the opposition of black girls black boys have often been portrayed as devoid of their innocence in other ways they are perpetrated as bad boys and always are viewed to having criminal intentions. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is this heartbreaker stereotype that a lot of young black women and men put on young black boys as soon as they're born. Oh, he's so cute. He's going to be such a heartbreaker. Bitch, how you know? That baby, I just popped out the cooch. How do you know? Okay, so why do you put that sexualization and these expectations on these young boys as soon as they come out of the womb? And then a lot of things, one thing that y'all do, and I'm not just going to blame black mothers, it's black men too. Y'all fail to educate these black boys. Y'all fail to give them emotional intelligence. Y'all fail to allow these boys to cry. Y'all call these boys infeminate when they do not know how to process their emotions. And then y'all berate each other. Like male culture is so confused 
confusing to me because everything is a fucking competition yet no one is really focused on the emotional well-being of men or young boys all y'all do is put them in competition with each other and teach each other to bully and antagonize everyone around them and y'all hold them to no standard whatsoever and might I add that as I have worked with young black boys for a long time a lot of them are really slow they don't have the sense God gave a brick all they know about is video games y'all don't even teach these young boys about hygiene and it's really disappointing because when they grow up they become these dumb podcast bros that you guys love and worship so much in your manosphere where they feel like it's gay to wash their ass but y'all don't want to talk about that. It's because y'all won't teach these young black boys at a very young age. And because y'all fail to educate them on hygiene or or permission or conception, concept, content. What is it? Consents. Y'all fail to educate them on consent, not even just sexual consent, just asking and sharing and just getting and grabbing stuff from people. Y'all don't teach them nothing but about sex. And then it goes back to sexual labor because y'all expose them young boys to that. Guess how many young boys are addicted to porn? Why do young boys know about body parts? And then the strange thing about it is that y'all create these high standards, but y'all still fail to educate them about bodily autonomy. Most of these niggas listening to my podcast right now, if I gave them a diagram of a vagina, they couldn't even label the parts for me. Huh? L -l Labia? What's that, Morgan? I don't know. You tell me. I need you guys to start educating these black boys and stop hypersexualizing them or or hype just like glorifying their bodies. Boys are so much more than their bodies. So many boys are so intelligent at such a young age, but you only put a focus on on, on athletics for them. That's it. Another thing I did want to talk about while we're on the topic of sexualization of black children also is the way that black children are also permitted in the, presented in the media. So I, I know your memories are not that bad off where we don't remember um, a couple years ago when Netflix released this movie called Cuties. So for those who do not know, Cuties is this movie that is now removed off of the Netflix platform about these young cheerleaders. And it's similar to like um, these young girls who are competing in these beauty pageants like at the age of four or five and they're wearing these explicit costumes and it's crazy to me how so many black people especially young black men did not speak up about this this Netflix the way that they depicted these young girls I'm talking about with no no respect they had on no clothes and I really hate to say that because I don't judge people off their sexuality based off of the clothes. You know, I try to do like Martin Luther King does and base people off the character that they, uh, that they possess. But nevertheless, you cannot deny that in this cuties documentary or film that they produce, they completely zoomed in on every single naughty part you could think of. They zoomed in on everything and they exploited these young children bodies. And even on the fact of sexual exploitation, because this is really irritating me, you guys need to stop putting your children on social media. Um, there are so many different 
people that always talk about how you guys will create content pages for your children, especially on TikTok. And then you will see these content pages go viral just from like young children, three, four, five years old. And you're posting these and you're looking at the algorithm and you're looking at the amount of likes, the amount of like shares. And you look at the amount of saves on these three-year-old pages and they're in the thousands, they're in the millions. Why are millions of people saving videos of three-year-olds putting on clothes, mummy and me? Three million people are not interested in their content. They are exploiting those children. These pedophiles are taking advantage of the free content that you guys are putting on the internet and exploiting your children. It does not matter how innocent you think that it might be. Y'all need to stop doing it. What did Drake said? Hide the world from your kids. Hide them. Like y'all need to stop being so ignorant. Everybody does not have good intentions and your children are so overly sexualized. It's like you guys are blind to it. Y'all are setting them up for failure. You are not leaving. No, I'm not leaving. But you are. There's a truck outside, it's full of gas, and I hired some guy to take you anywhere you want to go. I can't keep treating her like this, and my children, not seeing their daddy every night, I'm staying here and there. Ch ch children. Two boys, they need me. It's me. How can you say this to me? How can you do this to Goodbye. me? Goodbye. Helen, now be a lady and leave quietly. I wanted to talk about the school to prison pipeline. Although it's referred to a theory, it is um, very much real. And if you have a child of color in the education system, I want you guys to be very aware as well as very vigilant on your educator's the people who are responsible for your children because these black children are placed into these education systems to fail. So one thing I did want to talk about is how the school system is a result of the industrial revolution. So a lot of schools were created not to educate the the population in America, but to create great workers. So that's why you can see these similarities between the school system, the jail system, as well as a warehouse. You are all sitting um, in straight lines. You're walking in straight lines. You have to ask permission to get up and do X, Y, and Z, to go piss, to go shit, to get some water, to breathe, to play, et cetera, et cetera. So you see these similarities, and that's not me making a jump that all of these things are a result of the Industrial Revolution. They're not, the schoolhouse, especially public school, is not created to create intelligent thinkers. It's created to either put you to work so you can make money for, for, for the people, for the man, or to put you in jail so you can make money for the people and for the man. A lot of you niggas fail to realize that the 13th Amendment is the loophole to keep you in slavery, into bondage. It was created to punish and to enslave you. Them people own your life when you are in jail and they will exploit you for labor, similarly with children. 
So the school to prison pipeline refers to practices and policies that disproportionately places students of color into the criminal justice system. Black children are held to a higher standard than white children are more and are more likely to be given harsher punishments in school. Morgan, y'all like, duh, bitch. We already know that. I know y'all already know that, but sometimes white people don't realize that. And sometimes it needs to be said out loud so people can have a fuller understanding. So I do have a few statistics for you guys just so y'all don't think that I'm pulling this shit out of my ass and um let me let me tell you so I have sources from the New York Times um it's called Black Girls School Discipline and one from greenlighting.org yes and it is called School to Prison Pipeline Black Kid Get Cops White Kids Get Docs okay so in 2015, was a Sociology of Education published a study concluding that black and brown students were more likely to face disciplinary actions, such as suspensions, expulsions, police referrals, or arrests instead of supported therapeutic treatments, even when being served under the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act or the 504 Education Disability Policies. Okay, so... Yeah, they don't, they, they not taking no chances with y'all nigga children, okay? They finna, they gonna put them in handcuffs. They don't care about no therapy. That's why y'all need to be caring about putting your children in therapy because they, they don't want to give y'all a chance. For similar issues, their white counterparts are more likely to receive medicalized support instead of disciplinary all-on responses. For example, in 2013 and 2014 school year, 20% of black IDEA students were suspended compared to only 7% of white IDEA students. 20% compared to 7%. Hmm, sounds like injustice to me but I digress. Some understand this is an example of the school to prison pipeline. These differences in treatment boil down to race and income, which I fail to understand is that when you live in black communities, those schools are funded based off of the property and the value that's coming from those communities. So if your children lives in a black community that's poorly, poorly funded, like in a more majority, majority black neighborhood, the schools are going to be poorly funded compared to where white children lived and where they're redlined and where they're zoned in. If their houses, their communities look like and their appraisers higher value, those schools get more funding. They get more education. They get more access to resources like after school communities. They have more access to tutors. They have less crowded school rooms. They have more better paid teachers. Your black children do not have those opportunities. Your black nephews, cousins, step daughters, all them, they don't have that if they're living in these black communities, and majority of us are. So y'all have to understand that they are already set to fail from the very beginning. Here's another statistic for y'all. In New York City, black girls in elementary and middle schools are about 11 times more likely to be suspended than their white peers in 2017. According to a result from the Education Trust New York, a search and academy group in Iowa, black girls are nine times more likely to be arrested at school than white white girls, according, according to a state-by-state -state analysis conducted by the American Civil Liberties Union. The disproportionate discipline rates amongst girls indicate what researchers have long said about all Black children. <coughs> it is not that they misbehave more than their peers, but their behaviors are just being judged more harshly.
Sit up here and tell me I'm lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. If I'm lying, I'm frying. If I'm lying, I'm flying. Come on. Put money on it. Put money on it. And I know I'm not lying. The same thing goes with um, medicating black children. The same thing. They don't understand. They do not perceive white the white world, people who ascribe to Eurocentricism, people outside of the black community, the African-American black community do not understand the culture. So they are looking at your children as the opposite of white. They think that they are bad. They do not want to take the time to understand what is going on with black children or to understand the culture or to understand the language or the terms so instead of understanding they will punish your black children that is why you guys have to get up and advocate for your black children that's why you guys have to educate your black children stop putting on cocoa melon sit down and read to them babies do some affirmations and some mantras because the world is showing you avidly that they do not care about your black children your black children are are put through torment every time they go through school because if the teacher ain't on their ass these little kids at school on their ass and then they come home and y'all on their ass have some empathy show love to your children stop degrading them and putting them down because they do not subscribe to the idea of whiteness that the master has put inside of your head they are not that bad but also the school to prison pipeline message to tell parents stop getting your children tested stop putting them on ritalin stop buying into these diagnoses because they're not solutions they are feeding the school to prison pipeline i was almost a part of that pipeline second grade diagnosed with adhd my family was challenged to put me on some type of medication they gave me another type of test i actually scored the third highest in the nation from that process of thinking something might be wrong with this child it then implemented me into gifted and talented education it's not an overactive brain it's above average intelligence the issue is that public school is not designed to identify black boys who are gifted the gifted movement was started in the aftermath of school desegregation. I don't want them learning with the black kids. Right. So that's when they invented the learning disability. Mm. But in my work, at least half the black boys I've ever evaluated were mentally gifted, not ADHD. Yeah, yeah. But the school has a one-track mind. They are trained to look for problems, not talents. Right. One more point to that. Mm. Mental giftedness used to be part of special ed law. Mm. That means what? Special ed is money. Right. Whenever I say a kid is autistic, emotionally disturbed, reading disabled, math disabled, their name goes into a computer. That goes to the State Department of Education. They get a welfare check by the end of the month for that child. That school does. The school does. Special ed is money. Right. Special ed is money. It ain't about helping nobody. Right. Now, gifted used to be in there. That means what? When you were tested for gifted and qualified, right. your school district got money for you. Back in 97, I want to say, they took MG out of special ed law. That means what? You no longer get paid money yeah. for identifying smart black children. Right. Since they've taken that out, if you look at the, the gifted rates of black kids, yeah. it's almost non-existent. Reading right. disabled up here, ADHD up here, MG all the way down here. And it's even worse now. It's all about the money. The American Psychiatric Association is indebted to the drug companies. They run it, all of which publicly trade on Wall Street. Wow. And they fund the diagnoses. Wow. Because they create these medications that need to be sold so they can make dividends for the investors. Right. So they go to the APA and say, listen, we got a new medicine, so you got to create a disorder, a disorder to feed this medicine. Wow. How much do they make off ADHD meds a year? 
$30 billion. The Drug Enforcement Agency of America classifies Ritalin as a Schedule II drug. Ritalin is in the same category as opium and cocaine. You got black men going to jail out the wazoo for selling crack, right? Right. Most black men in jail are there for nonviolent drug-related offenses. Drugs are so bad. If it's bad enough to send a boy's father to jail, how can it also be good enough to give to his son so he can sit still long enough to learn about Helen Keller, Anne Frank, and Christopher Columbus? <sighs> All right. I'm off y'all niggas next now, all right? Um, I'm done fussing it, y'all. I want to take this opportunity to shift the energy in this conversation. And I want to give you guys um, a piece of hope and a piece of aspiration because whether you guys fail to admit it or not, Black children, I have single-handedly shaped and created and cultivated the foundation and helped the black man and the black woman since enslavement create the foundation of the American country. And they have contributed so much to our society. And I think it's time that we sit down and we talk about, number one, the important roles that they have played within the movement, civil rights movement, to be specific, as well as how people understand the importance that these black children have in the world. Okay, the children's crusades, yay! So the children's crusades is a very important part of the American civil rights movement for Black people because this is a, this is an example of children being used as a catalyst for change. Okay, so Dr. Martin Luther King, along with other activists and members in the Black community. Um, were opposed. Well, let me just let me just lay this game plan out to you guys instead of just trying to read this shit off. So during the civil rights movement, a lot of black people were put in a lot of sticky situations trying to advocate for the rights of black people. So we know that they were marching very heavily in Alabama. This would be the Southern Leadership Conference, SNCC, SCLC, the Black Church, all of them. Okay, so the problem is that a lot of black people were put into jails and a lot of black people were losing their jobs or they were putting their lives at risk and their bodies on the line and it wasn't working. So Martin Luther King was actually in jail in 1963. And this is where you can see um, his letter in Birmingham prison where he was thrown in jail because he sacrificed himself um, to keep people, other black people, other black leaders from going in jail because they had no bail money. So um, while he was sitting in there, him along with other activists came to the realization that they could use children as a way to advocate because unlike, um, unlike the, their parents, children did not have the risk of losing jobs or the risk of missing out on potential potential money. So what they did was is that they gathered as many black children as they could and they taught them um, the acts of civil disobedience and nonviolence. They they showed them different films of People being sat at at lunch counters, being sped on, being cursed out, being pushed and thrown around. And they were taught how to behave when put in these different situations. So black children 
on May 2nd, 1963, gathered at the 16th Street Baptist Church in Alabama, and more than a thousand students skipped school to participate in this process. And you have to understand that the Children's Crusade was multiple protests, and the goal of this protest was to pack the jails. Martin Luther King wanted to pack the jail so much so that they would not have no room to put any other black people in jail and they would have to release them. And they 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 took these thousands of students, the youth ranging from seven years old to 18, held picket signs and marched in groups of 10 to 50 and they sang freedom songs. And if you ever get bored and you want to watch um videos on the children's crusade i will say that it is very inspiring um sitting up there watching these black children holding those signs with their little um little bangs and their little ponytails and they singing we shall overcome and wade in the water and we shall not be moved and they're protesting and they have the lord in their hearts and they are being shipped off in jail to jail in the back of uh, school buses and I really, when when you watch these children's crusade, you can really see the benevolence of evil that is coming from these white people. Um, you can see these white police officers. Um, they are pulling out water hoses on these young children. Remember, they're from the ages of eight years old to 18, setting out water hoses on them, letting out canines and police dogs, getting brutally barked, being yelled at by angry mobs. Ku Klux Klan members, and you got to remember that these children were they put their livelihoods, they put their bodies on the line as a way to protect and to advocate and to serve for black children and for black people as a whole. So, I want to read another quote to you guys, and it states they had locked up as many people as they possibly could lock up, and they couldn't control it anymore, and that's what broke this, the back of segregation. A civil order collapsed because there wasn't enough police. So in September of 1963, the Ku Klux Klan bombed the 16th Street Church and killed four black girls. This is the same church from May 2nd all the way down to September of 1963 in the same year. The same location that was used as a way to advocate protests for these black children to feel heard and to do what was right. It was the same act and it, they bombed the same church and they still took the lives of those four black girls. And this is another example of how black children have sacrificed their lives and sacrificed their livelihoods as a way in order to help protect the black community. You know, you always have to give it up to these young black children because this was less than 50 years ago where we had the Ruby Bridges. Um, we had these young black children penetrating these white school systems, these white institutions, and they were innocent they were they were highly trained in civil disobedience and they were navigating through crowds whether they were protected by police or whether or not they were protected by police and you have to understand that white people do not want to be let that be seen and again that goes against why they are so against critical race theory because it was not so long ago where they don't see their mima and their peepaw their grandma and their granddaddies and their um, great uncles in these pictures screaming these hateful racist rhetoric towards these young black children 
Subsequently, in 1964, Malcolm X has a conversation with Mississippi children. So this is another um, Afrocentric read that I want to encourage you guys to read. It's called Malcolm X to Mississippi Youth, 1964. Um, and honestly, I want to say that I was um, I was asked to read this and I thoroughly enjoyed it just because, number one, in this address to Mississippi children, number one, it's highly connected to me because I am Mississippi. And you have to understand that Mississippi is called Black Africa because this is where the majority of our ancestors landed when they were brought over from Africa, majority of the roots, the beginning of the African diaspora for African-American people starts here on the native soul. So we in Mississippi are more closely in touch with our roots, with our heritage as well with, with our ancestors. So to understand that during the middle of the civil rights movement, Malcolm X, the Honorable Malcolm X made his way to Mississippi to specifically talk to the youth. And you have to ask yourself why. So Malcolm X, the Honorable Malcolm X starts off in um, his address to the Mississippi youth saying one, one of the first things I think young people, especially nowadays, should learn is how to see for yourself and listen for yourself and think for yourself. Then you can come to an intelligent decision for yourself. Now, you you are witnessing within the first few lines within this speech that he is giving is him giving just unsolicited advice, judge-free advice. I remember when I was a child, I was taught that a, your mind is a terrible thing to waste. And that is an old way of saying, you know, learn to think for yourself. Do not waste your own mindset. And that's something that a lot of us need to remember ourselves as well as to teach our young children because they're so susceptible to being lied to or being taken advantage of. But I think the reason why Malcolm wanted to specifically talk to the youth of Mississippi outside of the, the historical background as well as like the historical context is the fact that young people, specifically children, still have the ability to imagine and that is something that we inevitably you lose as we get older because we get so stuck within this system of patriarchy and get so stuck in capitalism or the day-to-day -day things that happen within life. So children still have the ability to see the flaws within the generation that leads before them, and they have the opportunity to come together and to make amends with themselves and make changes and break generational curses that are passed down from opportunity to opportunity. And I feel like that's why so many of us as millennials and you guys as young Gen Zers, like Gen Z gives hope. Y'all really do. These young babies are so self-reliant. They're self-sufficient and they above all else are skeptical. And that is what we want. We want, and that is what they are afraid of. They are afraid of young, educated black minds that have the ability to think for themselves and to question things because that is how you learn. That is how you grow. And that is what is so special. They have the ability. Gen Z has the ability, number one, to speak up for what is right. They are the most connected 
it with the earth. That's why their biggest plight is environmental change because they are the first generation born without hope. They're going to be the first generation born without social security. They're, you know, they're being born into an earth that is completely broken, that, that seems like it has no hope of being repaired. So because they are being passed down this unfortunate luxury of, and not even a luxury, this unfortunate situation, they have to make the best of it. So they have to speak up for their own livelihood. And I think they do it so bravely. And I hope that that is an example of children inspiring other people, children being a catalyst for change. You can see it everywhere. These senators, they, they, these Republican senators showing up to these children's graduations. I hope y'all saw it in May where they were coming to speak. They were invited to speak at these high school graduations and these Gen Zers booed them off the stage. We don't tolerate racism. We don't tolerate fascism. We don't tolerate you taking away the rights of children's and our bodies. And, and that's something that we need to be doing too. But you guys can take notes from them. So I wanted to close out this section of Malcolm X talking to Mississippi Chain and children with this quote. And he says, you'll get freedom by letting your enemy know that you'll do anything to get your freedom. Then you'll get it. It's the only way you'll get it. When you get that kind of attitude, they'll label you as a crazy Negro or they'll call you a crazy nigger. They don't say Negro or they'll call you an extremist or submersive or sedacious or red or a radical. But when you stay radical long enough and get enough people to be like you, you will get your freedom. And honestly, I feel like that is a foreshadowing of the death of Malcolm X because he, in the end, developed his own mindset outside of the nation of Islam. He he created his own thought pattern. And when he became so radical and started to petition the courts for equal rights for our people and for the legacy of our people, that is when they knew that they had to end him. Similarly with Malcolm Martin Luther King, because, you know, they systematically killed our leaders. But you have to end. You have to understand the importance of us, of our leaders, going back and speaking to the children, as well as pouring knowledge into them unbiasedly, not judging them, or they're not going to accept it. This generation of children can smell bullshit from a mile of way away. Be authentic, be yourself, tell your truth, and stop judging them. And honestly, it has a lot to do because if they're going to consider me a radical, I feel like we should really speak about the children in the LGBTQ community and how a lot of these Republicans are limiting their access to medications, especially in Tennessee. You can see in Tennessee, um, they are taken away from transgendered children. They're taking away their right to access hormonal treatment, stopping it right in the process and telling children, telling parents that they know better for their children than, than, than the parents do. And I think that that's ridiculous. I feel like if a child has the ability to be able to advocate their own feelings, to be able to point out how they feel and have an understanding, who are you to judge that? You think that you know a child's thoughts better than a child knows their own thoughts? No, that's ignorant. It's supercilious. That is why it is important for us 
And you can see this with Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade, whether you like the fact that their child is transgendered or not, you can see the love behind the advocacy. You can see the love behind the fact that they accept their child's choice to transition. And regardless of what the media has to say, regardless of what the black community has to say, they are going to support their child's right to choose, support the way that they choose to identify them and love them regardless. It's as simple as that. So I just want to urge you guys to take a hold of this generation and hug and protect them because it is ignorant for us to assume that anyone else will protect our children outside of us. Funny enough, I heard a white woman tell her child, if you get lost, you should go and find the biggest black guy. And one day she took her son to Walmart and he got lost and he went up to the biggest black guy and, and he asked for help. Now, tell me, why do you think that that happened? It's because black men are known for protecting the children. Again, black black men are the best fathers in America. Black women are the best mothers, period, because they are the blueprint. They are they set the standard. They created mothering. So, yes, protect the children. You're not too young. You're not too old to speak up for what is right, because when they get older, you are going to need the children protect to protect you, to advocate you in your old age. Shout out to the slaves. Yeah, shout out to the slaves. You feel me? Shout out to Harriet Tubman. That shout was out to the real niggas. Shout out to the real niggas. And shout out again to all those people who hate my guts. Y'all are doing a justice and an effort to the world. Keep breaking these men down one at a time. You are obsessed and sick. The Big Black shout out is an opportunity to help circulate the black dollar back into our communities and for audience members to explore black owned hidden gems. So today I wanted to introduce you guys to Black Women on a Mission. Black Women on a Mission is a clothing brand and it is owned in it is owned and ran by a black woman named Camille. So her mission is to remind black women of their resilience so that they can bounce back from life's toughest challenges and live out their mission because it matters. The vision of this brand is to create a long-term impact in the lives of black women and girls by equipping them with the resources to be resilient while removing obstacles so they don't always have to be. That's powerful. So the Black women on the mission values are surrounding resilience, approachability, and impact. And I am so honored and blessed to be working with this brand as a brand ambassador. Um, Camille has excellent taste when it, when it comes to clothes. Her brand is um, circling around sportswear or streetwear, and they're specifically for us and by us. So what I want you guys to do is to use my referral link. And if you go on my Instagram, it can be found in my bio, but the link is also on the bottom of my podcast episode. Just look for the tool. And I want you guys to use my promo code, which is resilient 15. R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T 
the number five, number one, then the number five. And when you use this code, you will get 15% off on all your products. How freaking amazing is this? God just keep on blessing black women with black women. So remember, the name of the brand is Black Women on a Mission. And the promo code is Resilient15 for 15% off. Make sure to tell them that Morgan sent you. So the next, the next brand that I would like to shout out is T3 Productions. T3 Productions is owned by my cousin Trinity Tubbs. And T3 Productions specialize in cinematography and editing, as well as creating short films, music videos, and all types of videography. Her brand is located in Starkville as well as in Jackson, Mississippi. And if you guys like the promotion material that I use to promote my podcast as well as my logo, I wanted you guys to know that Trinity did create and produce them. So if you are looking for good quality cinematography, editing, creating short films, music videos, anything surrounding the media of a camera, you need to be looking for a T3 Productions. That's the letter T, the number three, Productions. Shout out to you, Trinity. So the next person that I will be shouting out today is a Twitcher. Yes, my best friend, JJ. Um, has a Twitch platform and he goes by JJ Semini. Let me spell that for you. JJ Semini, S-E-N-S-E-I-I. Okay. So his Twitch channel, this is for the boys, is a for is a variety channel, meaning he does whatever the fuck he feels like period. And it is everything ranging from reactions to gameplay. And it is a safe place for the theys, the girls, the gays, period. Um, I will personally say that I really do watch his channel, not just because he is my best friend, but because the reaction content is everything. Me and my sister, we watch the Twitches live. He does reaction to RuPaul's Drag Race. Hopefully, he'll start doing reactions to Zeus and the different shows on Zeus because we have us a good key. So make sure that you are twitching following whatever i don't know i'm not a i'm not a twitcher make sure you are supporting my best friend jj semini shout out to you so remember that if you have any black owned businesses that you would like for me to shout out make sure that you are emailing me at the afrocentric podcast that's afrocentric podcast at gmail.com thank you Please forgive me for any sins in which I committed those. I know I meant those I don't know, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for beating this bitch ass today, Lord. Lord, please forgive me for thinking about beating her ass again, Lord. Please rebuke all these demons that's in this house, Lord. I pray it's not really you, necessary. And now it's time for the final segment of every afrocentric episode it's my favorite segment it's your favorite segment and here we call it the altar call so i just wanted to take this time to remind my people that i'm here and i'm yet praying for y'all 
So first, giving honor to God, who is the head of my life. I just want to say I'm so honored to be in the Afrocentric big black breath of life ministry. Amen. So I wanted to come on here and give you guys a, a quick testimony about how good God has been in my life. So this week, the Honorable President Joseph Wilson Carnegie Rothschild Wahlberg Walton Vanderbilt Rockefeller Clinton Biden has given us Negroes individually and collectively the opportunity to receive up to $20,000 in federal debt relief. And I tell you, if I had 20,000 tongues, I couldn't praise him enough. Somebody bless his name up in here today. Amen. Uh, moving right along on our altar call list, we are still praying and fasting and hoping for the women of Iran. Yes, Lord. Their plight for equality has transformed into a revolution, and it is the first revolution ran and orchestrated by women. And we will continue to lift them in prayer. Amen. Amen. I also wanted to rebuke the spirit of anti-Semitism in the black community today. Yes, that's a big word for Elmo, but nothing is too good for my God. Yes, so I cast out the spirit of hostility and prejudice against Jewish people. Get thee behind me, Satan. Let my people go. Release us from the chains of Kanye. Lord, deliver us from evil. Yes. Finally, we are praying that the Lord will safely and swiftly Bring me my Boaz. You see, God positioned Boaz to rescue the woman from her troubles. And I myself need a hero. Now look, the Bible says when two or more are gathered in his name, then he is in the midst. Yes, that's Matthew 18, 19 through 20. So today we will be virtually touching and agreeing for our collective Boazes, we are hoping that he will appear to us in the same manner that he appeared unto Ruth. Niggas is savage, niggas is monsters, niggas is pimps, niggas is players. To niggas had daughters, now they precautious. Father, forgive me, I'm scared of the karma. Cause now I see women as something to nurture, not something to conquer. I hope she like Nikki, I'll make her a monster Not having menages I'm just being silly, I answer the door like Will Smith and Martin Nigga, do we have a problem? Matter of fact, Marlin 
This ain't me the Farkas I beat his ass, pray I beat the charges No daddy don't play, not when it comes to their daughters Don't do no yoga, don't do Pilates Just play piano and stick to karate I pray your bodies, drink more like mine and not like your mommy's Just being salty but niggas is nuts And I am a nigga, I know what they want I pray that you don't get it all at once Curves under your dress, I know it's pervs All on the net, all in the comments You wanna vomit, that's your baby, you love her to death Now she cutting class and hanging with friends you break a glass and say it again She can't comprehend the danger she in If you whip her ass, she moving with him Then he whip her ass, you go through it again But how you the devil rebuking the sin Let's pray we could put this behind us I swear that these times is the wildest She got the scars, they serve as reminders Blood still on her pajamas But yesterday is dead, yeah Moment of silence Next should be off the collars And then at the altar Cause she know that niggas is savage Niggas is monsters, niggas is pimps, niggas is players, to niggas have daughters. Niggas is pimps, niggas is players, to niggas have daughters. Don't you go up in a hurry, your mama be worried, oh, it was all part of the story. Even the scary nights, thank you for all of the glory. You will be remembered, oh, thank you to all of the heroes of the night. They gotta repaint their colors The light is wearing off Reality is upon us Colors dripping off Colors dripping off Oh man, I just want to thank you guys so much for sticking this long, important conversation out with me today. Um, this message is so important just because children are the future as well as they are the foundation in which our country were built upon. So I just wanted to take time and advocate for them. Um, I just want to thank you guys again. Thank you so much for choosing to be Afrocentric today. Please and always remember that Black Lives Matter. Listen and protect Black women and children. And the only thing that you must do in this lifetime is be Black and die. And let's remember that we are just civilized people having civilized conversation. Remember, if you like this podcast and you want to see more, make sure that you are liking, following, subscribing, sharing, writing, and joining in on the conversation. Okay. I'll talk to you guys soon. Be easy.
white. white. I speak a different language. I speak a different language. But I must be respected. Protected, protected, never rejected, never rejected. I am, I am God's child. God's child. I, am. I am somebody. somebody. Give yourself a big hand.